Thank you. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. It has been a blessing to me to be here, and I want to thank you for so many things. Thank you for your faithful support, and thank you for all the good food. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm trying to gain some weight, and I, I, I don't know why, but I've lost some in the last few months, and and uh, I, you did your part to help me with my, <laughs> I appreciate it. Most missionaries don't have that testimony, but, amen, Brother Chris. But uh, no, it's been good, and I, I appreciate it. And I appreciate your faithfulness here in the conference, and it's, that's a blessing. It, it shows me that you, you really are serious about missions. That's... It's encouraging when you see a church that's really serious. For some, I think it's just sort of a, well, this is what we do, you know. We, we support a few missionaries, and we have a, maybe a conference every year. And, but it, but it, it, it needs to be every Sunday, every week, every service, I think, where we remind ourselves what we're here for to evangelize this world. So, 1 Samuel chapter 11, uh, appreciate your prayers for us in the days to come there at BBTI. My prayer request is always for more missionary students. That's, that's number one. We've got room for more. We've got room for, that's M-O-R-E, but we got room for M-O-O-R-E too. Amen. <laughs> Uh, no, come visit us. We're not that far down the road. I come up here all the time. Of course, I got some grandkids I <laughs> go to see sometimes. But uh, no, really, uh, you're welcome to come visit us. But uh, <clears throat> the, the work is, it's a blessing. And, and uh, I don't, people ask me, were you going to retire? Well, I might when I get old, but... <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't retire from what, you know, when you're on, you know, having fun. I mean, why, what would you, what would I do? I don't play golf. I, I'm not a hunter or a fisherman or, uh, so, I, I mean, not that I don't, I know, and it's one thing where we are praying about someone that could take my position and move things forward, but we, we want the right person. It's scary to think that um, I think we're going in the direction that God wants us to. I hope we are, and I would not want to see it go into some other direction. Yeah. And like we, you know, we see that in churches sometimes, a change of leadership, and uh, I mean it happens, and sometimes it's a better change, I guess. But uh, but pray with us about that. So, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against uh, Jabesh, uh, Gilead. And, uh, and the men of Gilead, uh, I mean the men of Jabesh, uh, said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. Uh, and Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition will 
I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers unto the coast of Israel, and then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Then came the messengers uh, to Gibeah of Saul, and told the tidings in the ears of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those things, and his anger was kindled greatly. There's a verse in uh, Ephesians, I believe, that says to be angry and sin not. That's kind of a puzzling uh, verse, and people struggle with that idea. But I think right here is the answer. You get filled with the Holy Spirit and you get angry, that's all right, because you're going to be angry about the right thing. (laughs) Our problem is we get angry about things that aren't maybe... Uh, that we shouldn't be angry about. In verse uh, 7, And he, he, he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them uh, in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hand of messengers, saying, Whosoever not, cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall be done unto his oxen, and the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one accord, one consent. And when uh, he answered, uh, and when uh, he numbered them, I, I left my reading glasses in the, in the motel. I, I, I had cataract surgery a few months ago, and, and uh, my vision isn't what I'd like it to be, but... Uh, but it's nice to be able to see something, amen. So if I get a word wrong, you can, you, you got your Bible there. So uh, um, then uh, they said unto the messengers that, that came, thus shall ye say, un, uh, uh, no, let's go back to verse 8. And when he numbered them in Basic, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And uh, they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall we uh, say unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow, by by that time the sun be hot, ye shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it unto the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said to tomorrow, now they said this to the Ammonites, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and you shall go. Uh, you shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. Well, they didn't tell them about three hundred and thirty thousand other uh, men would come out to them. They, they didn't tell them that. But were they sure that they would be there? I want to talk about going to battle on a promise. 
And it was, uh, verse 11, and it, it was uh, on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Ammonites until the, the heat of the day. And it, and it came to pass that uh, which, that, that which re, uh, remained were, were scattered so that two of them were not left together. And the people said unto Samuel, uh, Who is he that, uh, that said, Saul, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to, to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And they were, they were, and they sacrificed uh, <clears throat> sacrifices of peace offerings uh, before the Lord, and uh, them Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So uh, this uh, story does not really need any commentary or explanation. It's you read it and you know what happened, and and. Uh, so it's not a whole lot to say. We could just say amen and go home, but that won't happen. But, but I want to use it for an illustration of missions and, and, and even tie it in with faith promise missionary giving. A, a good missionary can take any verse in the Bible and make a missionary message out of it. I've done, I've had, I've done some good ones, amen. But... Let me tell you a, a story from our American history. Back in April of 1961, I wasn't very old then, but, and I didn't know what was going on very much in the world, but there in the, the country of Cuba had been taken over by the communists, by Fidel, Fidel Castro, and, and uh, there were those that wanted to take it back. The CIA may have been behind that, but our American government was, was, was supportive of that, and there were Cuban exiles who were willing to go and fight. Mr. Kennedy, our president, promised them that they would have air support from, from the Air Force. That was called the Bay of Pigs invasion. Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're telling your age now, but uh, uh, so what happened? For whatever reason, and I I don't profess to understand government and these these things that go on, but for some other some reason, Mr. Kennedy reneged on his promise. He didn't send the Air Force. Those freedom fighters fell uh, at the hands of the Cuban communists and. I suppose many were killed and many were imprisoned. And, you know, that uh, reminds me of what could have happened here. Thank God it didn't. 
But uh, the Jabesh Gilead belonged to the tribe of Gad. You'll remember that Reuben and Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh wanted to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River because that was a good place to to uh, raise cattle, and, and uh, Moses allowed them to do that. They went in and helped their brethren to conquer the land, and then when the victory had been won, they, Moses told them they could go back and possess their land. And so the, uh, their, their neighbors were the Ammonites. Now, who were the Ammonites? Uh, who, uh, who was the father of the Ammonites? You remember? Lot. And uh, you have to read that story back in the book of Genesis. Well, so we're not going to expect too much good out of the Ammonites. And they were pretty wicked. They wanted to not only take over the, the city of Jabesh, they wanted to pluck out the right eyes of the, uh, the men of Jabesh for a reproach a reproach against Israel, which means a reproach against God. And uh, so the, the, the men of Jabesh were in, in danger. They, they lived too far away from the tabernacle, too far away from their brethren, perhaps. They were too close to the enemy. They uh, were were in a, a, a dangerous situation. They were ready to surrender to the enemy and make a covenant with, with them. And God had already in the law uh, told them that they were not to do that. But thou shalt make no covenant with them nor with their gods. That's in Exodus chapter uh, 23. And the Bible tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, and so, the, but the men of Jabesh were, were ready to compromise and surrender to the enemy. You know, missionaries in a, in a real way are in a, a dangerous place as well. Not always danger physically, although there is that. Uh, but that, we have that here too, amen? But but danger spiritually. We live in a, a wicked world and there's a lot of temptations and, and uh, people, people are, are tempted, uh, but it really helps when you're in church, amen? You come to church every time the doors open, you get around God's people, that'll help you and getting in the word of God every day and uh, that will be a light unto your path and, and uh, it will, you hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. But there are some, some temptations in the world today for missionaries and missionaries' children. Now, we think pornography is bad in our country and it, it is. But I'm told there are a lot of worse, worse places where it's just on the billboards and it's just... I mean, it's there, and uh, temptations, and, and uh, so the, you know, the, the missionary is far from his friends, from his church, from his pastor. Now, I know today we have uh, uh, electronic means and of uh, 
church services. We found that out during the COVID thing. But that's not the same. You can't shake hands with a computer. I, I never did like that, although I could sit there and drink my coffee and I didn't have to put on a necktie or anything. I could just sit there and go to church. But man, I'm, I'm glad we came through that. And, and uh, but, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not, I think that's probably a, a blessing, but we never had that when I was on the field. We never had that kind of thing. But, you know, there was a, a pastor, I mentioned him the other day, Brother Keen. Uh, he never did support me as a missionary. I, I knew him quite well, and I always wondered why he didn't, but he had his reasons. He probably knew me too well, too. But one day we were sitting at a restaurant, and, and, I, and he was across the, the booth from me, and I, I spilled a glass of ice water, and it went across and got on him. And he, that guy was his quick thinking. He said, Rex, he said, I'm, I think I'm going to support you just so I can drop your support. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, every month from that church, I would get two cassette tapes with messages from Brother Keene. And I always look forward to them. They were such a, such a blessing and encouragement. You can encourage missionaries with, with little things like that. And uh, so there, there are missionary casualties. There's, there's temptations. There's temptations perhaps to fellowship with people who will draw you away from sound doctrine and, and uh, people who maybe do things that you shouldn't be doing. You, you're look, you look for fellowship, and uh, sometimes it's, it's not the right fellowship. But uh, there's, there's so many temptations to just to leave the field. We felt that. I, I don't think we ever wanted to leave where we were at, but we wanted to go to some other part of the country where things were happening, and and maybe we're thing. You know, the the grass is always greener on the other side. But uh, I, I met a. I know him, pastor. He's well. He's uh, he was a pastor in our area, and uh, he w- he w- had been a missionary in Africa for many years. But he told us privately, he didn't tell it from the pulpit, but he said when uh, he, his visa needed to be renewed and he went in the government office and uh, they gave him the new visa, no problem, no hassle. He said, I went out to my car and I sat down in my car and cried. He said, I was hoping they would refuse my visa so I could go home. <laughs> and so, you know, but there is that temptation. Furlough for a missionary, it's, it's needed sometimes, but that's a, it's a dangerous time because you come home and sometimes it's hard to go back. Uh, you, some of you, if you're missionaries, you may understand that. Well, I want you to think about the dignity of the petition of the men of Jabesh. You know, the, the Ammonites really didn't take them seriously. They, they said, give us seven days and see if we can find some help. And if not, we'll, we'll surrender to you and you can take out our right eyes. 
but uh, that was a mistake on the part of the Ammonites to let them do that. But, you know, they would look to Israel and the Ammonites could see in Israel there was no leadership to speak of. There was no unity. They were just uh, tribes and families, but there was, there was no organization. There was probably no army. And uh, so there, it looked like there was no help for Jabesh Gilead. But Jabesh, uh, you know, they, they were not lazy or cowardly. They needed help. And they, I mean, they could see a, a, a large country against a, a small uh, city, and they just knew they needed help. You know, the missionary needs help. He can't do it by himself. He's willing to go out there and uh, to battle, but he knows that he needs the churches to do it, to, to help him. And I believe that the missionaries are worthy of, uh, of help. <clears throat> you know, the, the missionary just wants to do what God puts in his heart to do. But he, he can't do it without the help of God's people. You understand that, I think, maybe better than, than many people. Having your own missionaries sending them out, that really will will get your heart in missions. Amen? And uh, so, then the next place I want you to look is in verse 4 and to verse 9, the decree of leadership. Well, in verse 4, the, the people, the, the men of Jabesh came to Gibeah, the hometown of Saul. And when they heard what was going to happen to these poor uh, Israel, uh, Israelite uh, brethren, they were going to lose their right eyes and they were going to become uh, captives of, of the pagans. And uh, they were emotional and they wept and they were concerned. And that's good. We ought to get concerned. We ought to be emotional about this, this uh, problem of people uh, lost around the world with no hope. And it, it ought to break our heart. We ought to, it, I mean, we ought to have some compassion. But, and thank God for that, but that's not enough. Saul showed up and he said, now what's going on here? Why is everybody weeping? And they told him. Now remember, Saul had been anointed to be the king. But what was he doing? I believe it says in uh, verse 5 that he, he came from the field with the herd. He was doing something that I've seen a 12-year-old girl do. You know, taking the sheep or the, the, the animals out to the pasture. And uh, he, he, was, he was doing a good thing. But that's not what a king is, set up, uh, is, is made for. Amen? And, uh, you know... A lot of God's people are doing good things, but they could be doing something better. I, I've challenged, tried to challenge people, you know, when I say, now, suppose, you know, you're working a job and that's good and they tell you how much they appreciate you and how well, you, how much you are needed. But if you died tomorrow, how long would it take to find someone to take your place? Jesus said to a young man one time, let the dead bury their dead. 
anybody can dig a grave, but uh, not anybody, not just anybody can preach the kingdom of God. Amen. So, so uh, Saul, he said, "Okay, we're going to do something about this, and this is what we're going to do." <laughs> That's the difference between leadership and and those that are just concerned. Somebody says, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we're going to do. Leadership is so important. And, and I'm, I would say this even if your pastor wasn't sitting there, that I believe he has a real heart for this, this business of missions. He, he, he has his heart there and he has his children there. So <laughs> that's, that's good. But but you know, uh, leaders, the church is going to, to, to have a burden for missions if the pastor does, usually. Now, although it could be that the pastor has a tremendous burden for missions, but the church won't follow along. That's, uh, that's sad. But, but I think usually if that pastor has a, a burden and a, a desire to reach the world, he can, he can instill that that um, that desire in the hearts of people, of course, with the help of God. But but this is what God is interested in, getting the gospel around the world. So the uh, the leader saw the need, and uh, he said, "We're going to we're going to do something about this." And uh, <clears throat> so he said, "Okay, now." Uh, he took that yoke of oxen and cut them up. A yoke of oxen is a very, very valuable uh, property. Down in Oaxaca, we'd see them all the time uh, out there in the field. Those animals are beautiful. They, I mean, they'll plow a field just one, one furrow at a time, but they're straight, and those, those oxen are strong. I was telling somebody I got stuck in the river one time, and a, a man with a couple of oxen hooked onto that... Uh, that truck and pulled me out of the river. I, I felt kind of dumb, for, but uh, I was glad to get out of the river. But uh, the, uh, you know, the that that yoke of oxen is valuable. But Saul said, "This is what's going to happen to your oxen if you don't follow me and fall in in line and come with your weapons, and uh, we're going to do something about that." And he organized the the forces. He put them in three different companies, three different groups, and uh, apparently God gave him some, some battle uh, wisdom. And, uh, but he, he told the men of Jabesh, he said, tomorrow, by the time the, it gets warm, you're going to have help. And they turned around. They didn't keep going to other places. They trusted what Saul told them. Saul gave them a promise. Now, how did Saul promise? How could he promise the men of Jabesh? Well, he had 330,000 men of Israel that promised him. And based on their promise, he could make a promise to the men of, of Jabesh. You know, that's the way it works. Somebody might say, well, why should I fill out a, a card why should I make a commitment? Why should I make that known? Why don't, if I want to give, I'll just, just give secretly or whatever. 
Maybe you're ashamed of what you're going to give, but, you know, I don't think you have a place for the name on there, do you, on that card? There's no... But, you see, the leadership needs to know that you are going to give so that they can make a promise to the, to the missionaries. And, and that's practical. That's, that's organization. And this thing of missions, it's, it needs to be organized. There needs to be plans. There needs to be uh, uh, a certain amount of leadership, organization by the leadership. Uh, but it's based on the promise of God's people. And so the, the men of Jabesh, they made a promise to the enemy. So we have three promises there. The promise of the people to Saul, the, or in the promise of Saul to the men of Jabesh, and the men of Jabesh made a promise to the Ammonites. Now, the, the, the men of Jabesh dedicated themselves to the battle. They committed themselves, and they, uh, they had a promise. They went to battle with a promise, but by faith, amen? And that's the way the, the missionary goes. But what if, what if Saul would have done to the men of Jabesh what John Kennedy did to the Cuban uh, freedom fighters? What if he would have reneged on his promise? You know, later Saul did break some vows and things that, and uh, he, he didn't do good. But, but uh, I, I like to read the first part of the life of Saul. He had a lot of good things going for him. God blessed him. And this, this is one thing that he did right. And uh, so uh, what if he would have said, you know, I've got this army. I think I'll go fight the Philistines. Or I, I think, you know, I've got all these workers are here. Maybe we could use them to build some roads. Or, or well, I, I need a, I'm going to be a king. I need a palace. And, and these guys can go and like uh, Solomon did, and send them out and bring in. No, but he, he said These, this promise is, is for a specific purpose. And you know, you need to be able to, to give confidently that knowing that what you give to missions is going to go to missions. And uh, I don't doubt for a, for a minute that, that everything you give for missions goes to missions. But that's not always the case in every church. There are churches that don't really uh, follow that very well. So, the, <clears throat> you know, and what if, suppose, you know, between verse 4 and uh, verse 9, you know, there was a time lapse. Sometimes that happens where our emotions will lead us to make a commitment to, to uh, you know, we, we are emotional and that's good. We make a vow, so to speak. I suppose marriages happen like this where they, oh, they're, they're in love and they promise to uh, themselves to each other and then, then after a little time, those emotions sort of fade and die and, and uh, things dissolve. You know, that can happen with missions too. That's, that's the danger of, of, you know, having a conference and, you, and people get 
emotional, and I say that's good, but yet that's not going to be enough. You've got to have dedication. You've got to, you've got to realize that this is a promise you're making to God, and God's going to bless you, but also you're going to be tempted to when, when, uh, when you need something, a new set of tires, or there's a, a doctor bill, or who knows what. You can be sure, you, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can be sure there's going to be some temptation to, to use that mission money for something else. But it didn't happen here. Thank God that the, 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 uh, the men of Jabesh Gilead went out, and uh, they, the men of Israel and Saul were there when the battle started. So thank God that all the promises were fulfilled. And then God gave the victory. Saul said this, and he, he said it was the Lord that gave the victory. And that's the way it is with missionaries and missions. Uh, we just are, we try to be faithful, but it's God that has to do the work. It's God that has to uh, bless and give the victory. But you know, it was a blessing to everybody, except the Ammonites. <laughs> but I mean, it was... The, the men of Jabesh kept their eyes. They kept their freedom. And Saul became, he became king in reality. He, he was anointed, but he wasn't reigning. And now he's reigned. He's, uh, God has shown the people that this is our king. This is our leader. And uh, that was a great blessing. It brought Israel together, at least to some extent, as a nation not just individual uh, families and tribes. And so it was good. You know, missions is good for the church. Amen. I've known churches that, that are just a little bit afraid of missions. And, and we, we would teach faith, promise, missionary given in Mexico. And, and uh, some of the brethren there caught on to it. And other, other pastors, they... They were just afraid, well, if our people give to missions, they won't give to, to the church, which means I, that I won't have a salary. Or, I, you know, that's, uh, that's not good thinking, but, but <clears throat> I'll give you an example. There's a church down in our area, uh, a good church, and uh, God has really blessed them. They, they, were, they had a practice of giving, I think, 15% of their income to missions and they thought they were doing really good but the pastor learned about faith promise giving and he introduced it to the people and some of them said no pastor uh, we don't know about that let's just keep doing what we're doing he said okay we'll work it this way you will give that 15 percent and anyone that wants to get involved in faith promise that will also go to missions well I think they still give that 15%, but within a few years, they're giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. And uh, it, what, a, what a blessing. And, and, the, and I asked the pastor personally, I says, well, what about the finances of the church? He said, wow. He said, when we started giving the missions, more to missions, the, the church income just improved too. So... It's a blessing to, to give. Amen. So, 
everybody got what they, what they needed. Even the men of, even the pagans, even the heathen got what they needed. Amen. But you know, people on the foreign field would say, I mean, the men of, of the Ammonites got the sword. Well, we give the sword of the Spirit to people. We give the, the Word of God to people. And that's what they deserve. We are so proud of, of our Bible and, and thank God for it. But we're so selfish when it comes to Bible translation and getting, uh, getting the Word of God to others who don't have it. So, well, I trust that that will encourage you. 39 years later, the, the, when Saul and Jonathan and, and his sons there died in battle, who was it that came and rescued their bodies from the, from the Philistines? It was the men of Jabesh. They showed their appreciation. And you've heard this, but someday in heaven there's going to be people that have lived in other places and they're going to say to the Moore Baptist Temple, thank you. Thank you for coming to our rescue. And it doesn't stop there. When David became king, he uh, uh, recognized officially and rewarded the men of Jabesh. You know, uh, our reward will come when the king is, is ruling and reigning. Of course, David is a type of, of, of Christ in the Bible, and, and of course, the Lord Jesus is our king. So go into battle with a, with a promise. That's, that's what the missionary does, and uh, so your promise is, is important. And, and so thank God for it. Pastor, I'll turn it over to you. So the, the message is fulfill your promise. Yeah. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.